take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 45 as we near the end of this series in the book of Genesis on the life of Joseph. We are looking at a man who experienced quite a bit, a lot of roller coaster moments, a lot of ups and downs, and has even had an opportunity to model for his brothers grace and humility. And then a passage that we're going to look at today in the series that I've entitled, Why Not Me, is, well, that's not exactly what I meant. And I don't know if you've ever had to explain yourself after you have said something. And maybe somebody mistook what you, what you said, or maybe it just didn't come out quite right, or, you know, you were intending for something to sound a certain way, and it was taken an, another way. Well, it sort of uh, reminds me of, of this fellow who just this past weekend, uh, last weekend, was driving across the border from Mexico into San Diego. And he got stopped because he had a load full of onions. Big, round, nice-looking onions that you'd cut up and put on a sandwich, do all kinds of things, cooks with, cook with and put in feed, all kinds of things you could cook and use onions with. But the problem was about half of the shipment looked like onions, but it was actually balled up meth. Uh, yes, methamphetamines rolled up and balled up to look exactly like an onion. In fact, he had uh, over 1,400 pounds, so it was about a $3 million shipment of methamphetamines mixed up in all of those onions. Well, the guy could have pled innocent. You know, he could have said, hey, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just bringing onions across the border, and I'm just, you know, I've been hired by this company, and, you know, I didn't mean to make a shipment of $3 million worth of meth. I was just, I thought I had a couple hundred bucks of onions. You know, I, hey, that's not exactly what I meant to do. And the fact that he wants to remain nameless and faceless in front of all of you know, the judge and jury probably says something about his guilt. But, you know, there are times that you do something and maybe you're trying to get away with it. Maybe you're trying to conceal what you really mean and what you hope is somebody will buy hook, line, and sinker something else that you say. Or maybe there's a moment that you're actually truthful and honest and, and, and upstanding and you say the right thing, but it's taken the wrong way and there are all of these moments where we mix up the message and it looks one way, but it's actually something else. But Joseph had plenty of those moments with his brothers, and he certainly had plenty of those moments with the Lord where he could have said, God, I'm not seeing what you're doing. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh, this is not the way that I thought my life would go. And certainly in front of his brothers, his brothers intended a certain outcome with selling him into slavery, and now they've seen that this mysterious person is all of a sudden taking care of them. And now in this text of Scripture, they're going to learn that that's Joseph, and now they're going to say, hey, that's not exactly what we were intending. We thought we were getting rid of you. We didn't think we were going to help catapult you to be the second most powerful person in Egypt. That's not what we meant. Joseph could have said, hey, look, I'm taking care of you, and I, I, I'm doing all of this stuff for you, but what I really want to do is rip you to shreds the way you wanted to do to me. Somebody could look at God 
and say, God, I thought you said you loved me. I thought you said you would care for me. I thought you said you would provide for me. And the way that my life is going is not exactly what I thought you meant when you said I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I want to give you an abundant life. And I want to bless you. This is not exactly what I thought you meant. Friend, there are all kinds of misunderstandings that we can have with each other, and certainly a level of misunderstandings that we can have with God. There are certain directions that your life is going to go, and it's not going to make sense to you on the journey. There's going to be a lot of occasions in your life where you're going to raise the white flag and say, God, I don't want to play anymore. I, I don't want this to be my life. I don't like where this is headed. But I want to reassure you today, based on the authority of the Word of God, one thing that I know is certainly true. And that is, God loves you. And because of that love, God has set a plan for your life in motion. And even though it may not make sense along the way, even though there may be pit stops along the way where you say, God, I don't know where this is headed. I don't know what's happening here. You may misunderstand the way in which God desires to bless you. You may not see where the blessings are coming from, and you certainly may not even understand the finish line. But rest assured that when your life is in the hands of God, He knows what He's doing. And it's all a matter of perspective. Do you see what God has called you to be? And do you embrace that message, that journey, and all that God desires to do in you. And as we look at Genesis chapter 45, I hope that that will be crystal clear to you and your life. There's a couple of steps that we need to take in order to understand the plan of God and to understand how God is leading. The first step in that journey that the Bible teaches us today is the Bible reminds us that we must adopt God's perspective you'll find that short little outline of two simple steps in your bulletin today if you like to take notes I think this is a good one to take notes from because we all need to learn how to adopt God's perspective how does God see your life versus how you see your life you know this passage of scripture begins in chapter 45 with Joseph right after he hears the words from his brother Judah in chapter 44. And Judah is willing to swap places with Benjamin, Joseph's biological brother. Same mom, same dad. And Benjamin is going to be, uh, or he's, Judah's thinking that Benjamin is going to be a slave in Egypt the rest of his life. Judah steps up and says, take me instead. Now Joseph has just moved to tears. He can't hold it in any longer. The Bible says that he reveals to his brothers who he really is. But I want you to notice how Joseph models for his brothers God's perspective on life. I want you to notice, as the Bible says in verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis chapter 45, he said, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? And then the Bible says, But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Now here you have Joseph. 
He's modeling for them how to handle this moment. He's stepping up. He's saying, this guy, this person that you've been dealing with now for the last two years, this is the third time you've seen me. You bought food for me two years ago. You left and were gone, and then you came back and bought more food, hung out at my house, ate some of what I had on my table, left again with more food. I put my cup in Benjamin's sack. I had you stopped along the way to bring you back now a third time. And Joseph, being face-to-face with his brothers, is about to show them how to adopt God's perspective. I want you to think for just a moment the difference in these two men and the similarities as well, the difference of where they are at this point in life. You have Joseph with all that he's experienced, the ups, the downs, the the jail, the false accusations, the being forgotten for a couple of years, and now he's the second most powerful person in Egypt. And his brothers sold him into slavery when he was 17 years old, lived their life all the time that Joseph was in Egypt, and now because of famine, they keep coming back to him to buy food, and they're being accused of all this stuff, and they don't know what's going on. You could say that Joseph is giving them a little taste of their their own medicine, a little bit of the roller coaster ride of, God, I don't see what's going on here. I don't understand where life is headed. Now that Joseph has identified himself, he's going to help them to adopt God's perspective in two areas of their life. The first one is you need to adopt God's perspective in how you feel. Notice what Joseph tells them in verse 5. After he tells them to come near and reminds them that he's Joseph, in verse 5 he says, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. Now what a mighty statement that is for Joseph to tell his brothers, don't be mad at yourself for what you did to me. Friend, I don't know if you've ever had the courage, the wisdom, or the spiritual strength to look somebody in the face who has hurt you and only wanted you essentially dead and to crush your reputation, to get you out of their life, to do something horrible to you, and to look them in the face and say, I don't want you to be upset with yourself for what you did to me. You see, when you have God's perspective on life, you understand a couple of things. Number one, you understand that nobody can hurt you when you're in the palm of the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible reminds you, and I reminded you, in Romans chapter 8 and when the Bible reminds us crystal clear that neither life nor death nor any other thing nor angels or demons or anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God friend you can be absolutely crushed left behind rolled over driven the bus over you, backed up and rolled over you a hundred more times, you can feel worthless, you can feel friendless, you can feel unsupported and unappreciated, and yet God says, I'll always love you. Joseph understands that I don't need to feel as though because this, whatever this is, 
Because this happened to me, I have no value. I have no life. I have no plan. I have no feelings. I have no worth. I have nothing because this terrible thing happened to me. Joseph understands and gives all of those emotions over to God. But he's also modeling for his brothers that now that they've come face to face with the brother that they sold, that they hated, that they were jealous of, that they wanted to kill, and Joseph says, don't be angry with yourself. Don't own all those emotions and live in that place where all you do is fuss and fume over something that happened in the past. How many of us need to adopt God's perspective with our own emotions? We carry baggage that we should leave behind. We fuss and fume and ponder on things that God has already covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are upset with ourselves because something happened. We're upset with other people because of what they've done to us. We carry all of this baggage around. And Joseph says the first word to his brothers is all of that's in the past. Let go of it. Friend, if you're ever going to see what God is doing in your life, you've got to let go of those emotions that are in the past. Give them all to God. Fuss and fume with Him. Put them all at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and ask God to give you His perspective. We have to work on that. That's a momentary thing. That's not just a one-time give it all to God. That's a daily, sometimes even an hourly, sometimes minute by minute. We just have to shove those emotions at the feet of God and say, God, I need your help. I need you to calm my spirit. I need you to give me reassurance that this thing that happened in the past is over and done. And I need your perspective that my life is not over because that happened to me. Joseph says to his brothers, don't be angry. Don't be distressed. Don't be upset with yourself. Because he says not only should you adopt God's perspective in how you feel, But he said, you also need to adopt God's perspective in how you think. Notice the rest of that verse in verse 5. Joseph goes on to tell them in verse 5, he says, Now do not be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve your life. Joseph says, it's not you, it's God. Now, that would be a wonderful statement to make if Joseph only made it once. Look down in verse 7. In verse 7, he says, And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Twice now in two verses, Joseph says, It is God who sent me here to take care of you. Well, you know, they say the third time's the charm, right? Notice what he says in verse 8. He says, So it was not you who sent me here, but God. You may think, 
that you own the power to wreck your life. You may think for just a moment. You may dwell on it forever. You may think and sit and stew that this dumb thing that I've done in my life means that God is done with me. That's it. It's over. Nothing else good can ever happen in my life. Maybe it's not your fault that something happened, but let's just say life gave you a crushing moment and you honestly say to God, well, that was fun. I guess that's it. You know, we gave it a good shot. You know, I tried, and now this thing has happened. Well, now what do I do? I guess I'll just sit here and stew in my feelings. Hey, welcome to the club. We all do it. But Joseph doesn't let his brothers get away with sitting and stewing because he never did. He says three times in three verses, God is in control. You did what you wanted to do. You sold me into slavery, but God had a bigger plan. God sent me here 22 years ago so that I could take care of you and dad. God sent me here. You didn't sell me. God sent me. Mind blown. That is the perspective of God. You don't have the power and the ability to alter God's eternal plan. You don't have the ability to do that. Yes, we're going to mess up. We're going to sin and fall short of the glory of God. And yes, our sin is going to have altering consequences. That is irrefutable. But when God has an eternal plan laid out for your life with all the ups, all the downs, all the crashes, all the setbacks, all the difficulty, my friend, God's plan just keeps on rolling forward. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one sitting on the throne, not you. God gets to decide what the good and the bad and the ugly, what the outcome is going to be, and He already knows what the past and the future is going to be. By the way, God's not surprised what's happening in Ukraine. God's not surprised when somebody just wakes up one day and wants to kick another nation in the shin. God is not surprised when you do something dumb or when I. God is not surprised and His plan is not altered. You know how I know that? The book of Revelation has never changed in 2,000 years. That book alone, whether you understand it, like it or not, tells you one simple thing, and that is God is in control. He knows what's going to happen. He is sitting on the throne, and it is not you. And because of that, nothing can happen in your life to change the fact that God loves you and that God has a remarkable plan to make you a blessing for His kingdom. It may not look the way you wanted it to look. It may not happen the way you thought it would. It may not have the cast of characters and all of the, 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 the plot line and all of the things that you thought it was going to happen. But my dear friend, at the end of your life, you're going to spend all of eternity celebrating in heaven that God is God and you are not. That He knows. That was a good spot for an amen. I even thought so myself. I'll amen myself. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not too shy to do that. But 
But God is God, and He is on the throne, and He knows what He's doing with you, even when you don't. And what we have to wrestle with is all the emotions, all the outcomes, all the circumstances, all the difficulty that we face is all wrapped up in what we call life. And every single second of your life is right in the palm of the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. And nothing is a surprise to Him. So when life surprises you, when life upsets you, when life gives you a setback, just give all that to God and say, God, well, why not me? God, why not my life? Why not give me a curveball I didn't see coming? Why not put me on a roller coaster and say, hey, some days are going to be good, some days not as good. But at the end of it all, with our, hand, with our life in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing is ever going to be a surprise to him. My son, Caleb, loves hockey. And his love for hockey is not only the hockey horns, but he could probably tell you each organist that every hockey team has by name. But the Seattle Kraken is a new hockey team, right, son? And they have a new organ player. And this organ player happened to play the role of an organ player in a 1977 movie called Slapshot. Anybody ever seen that movie? The organ player in that movie did not make the credits. He was not a star in the show, but he was the one that was hit in the head with a hockey puck by Paul Newman's character and told never to play Lady of Spain again. I've not seen the movie, I just know it's, it's got to be hilarious. But that was his moment of fame in terms of being an organist for a hockey team, was that moment on the big screen. He decided after he retired that he would send an email to the Seattle Kraken and just see if they were looking for an organist. And lo and behold, they hired him. And they hired him, and now he's watching all this video. He's learning how to play to the crowd. And, and he's just enjoying the whole process of, of learning how to play the organ in the midst of the crowd and get them all. It's, it's a hockey thing, y'all. If you don't, It's not basketball. It's, it's this. It's something different. But just go with it. It's, it's exciting for him because after retiring he never thought that this is something he would do in fact that's what he was quoted as saying he said I'm new at this that's why I'm doing all this research he said I never knew that I would get a job like this you know sometimes you have to come full circle before you make it back around to the start of the circle where it all makes sense sometimes your life has to go full circle when you say oh that's why that happened. Oh, I get it now. Oh, I didn't see it before, but you know, I've come all the way back around. And, and sometimes God has to take us around quite a few more times before all of a sudden that circle makes sense. Friend, can I give you an honest evaluation of your life? Some of you won't make it back all the way around before things make sense. Some of us may not live long enough to see something that happened in our life to see what the outcome of what God is doing is going to be. You may, you may pass away one-third of the way through that full circle and you'll never see it this side of heaven. 
But I can guarantee you, standing in glory, face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ, in full array of God's eternal plan, it will hit you like a ton of bricks and you'll say, that's why God did that. Why not you? Why not your life? Why not Joseph? Why not his brothers? Because that's the perspective we need to have with God. And then secondly, the next step in this journey is we need to accept God's provisions. Not only do we need to adopt God's perspective, but we need to accept God's provisions. You know what's amazing is when your life comes full circle? When God's in control and He shows you what He's doing, do you know that God actually has a plan to bless you? Now, it may not be the way that you think it's going to be or should be, I mean, you may open up your pocket and say, okay, God, I'm ready. Put it all in here. And God may bless you in another way. But I can guarantee you that even when you don't see where the blessings are coming from or how much the blessings are going to be, I can tell you that God is God and they're on the way. Notice what happens after all of this reuniting storytelling happens down in verse 16. It says the report was heard in Pharaoh's house. Joseph's brothers have come. And it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. And then Pharaoh tells him all the ways in which he wants to bless Joseph's family. I bet they never saw that coming. I bet when Joseph's brothers said, Dad, we're off to Egypt to buy food. We're going to come back and get you after Pharaoh gives us half of Egypt. We'll be back. Bet you they never saw that coming. You know, there's a lot of times in your life that you will be surprised at where the blessings come from. At who is the one to be a blessing to you. At who is the one to carry the load to give to you that God has put in their hands to bless you. There have been plenty of times as a pastor that I've preached a message with certain people in mind. Now, I stopped doing that a long time ago because, I mean, that's just not healthy. You know, if I had a message for Doug and I just stood up here and was like, all right, Doug, I got something, and I'm pretending like I'm preaching to y'all, but I'm really just preaching to him, Doug will fall asleep. I can guarantee it. It's going to happen. Been there, done that. So I stopped doing that a long time ago. And I would have people, if I came to the to the sanctuary with a a certain person or group of people in mind never at this church this was my first pastor a long time ago young kid didn't know what i was doing and i would just come guns blazing and those people would either not be there or they'd be sick or they'd be asleep so i stopped doing that and it was amazing how people would come up to me that i never thought would say pastor that was a great message it was like you were preaching to me so i went down and wrote their name down like, all right, well, I'll put you on that list then. But it's amazing whenever you do what God wants you to do and you are who God wants you to be, the, the, the blessings that will come from places you never saw it coming. Friend, don't ever underestimate God's power to make your life blessed when you seek to be a blessing to other people. Pharaoh loved the fact that this was happening and he wanted to get in on what God was doing. Now, what did Pharaoh do? Now, this is my favorite part. Look at verse 17. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. 
load your beast, go back to the land of Canaan. Take your father and your households, that means all the people, and come to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, do this, take a wagon from the land of Egypt to your little ones and your wives, and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. If God had said to 17-year-old Joseph, hey, in 22 short years, after being a slave, wrongly accused, thrown into prison, forgotten there, having to do all of this menial task and clean up stuff and do all... Hey, in just 22 short years, everything your family could ever want will be laid at your feet. I bet you he'd say, I don't believe it. That is how God blesses. Not at the time, not at the way, and not in the manner in which you would expect it, but all in His timing. Friend, this is how God operates. And if God wants to bless you financially, He will. If God wants to bless your character and your reputation, He will. If God wants to step into your business and multiply it, He will. If God wants to grab the hands of the people in your family and bring you together as a blessing, He will. But you've got to not only have God's perspective for your life, but you've got to be willing to accept the blessings that God wants to give you no matter what they are. Because the Bible reminds us in the book of James chapter 1 that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And if it is a blessing that God intends you to have, He wants you to receive it. It's like the gift of salvation. It's a gift. The greatest gift that's ever been given. God offers it to you. What do you have to do? You have to receive it. Now you might say, that's not what I want. Oh, but friend, that's exactly what you need. You may say, look, God, I want you to bless me this way, and God chooses to bless you in a better way. You know, on Thursday afternoon, Lee and I drove down to Baton Rouge, where her mom and dad's house is. And Of course, her dad passed away December the 1st, and her mom moved to Orlando to live with Lee's sister at the end of December. And so these last couple of months, the house has just been sitting there, and you know, there's all kinds of things to do in the home. And so Lee and I drove down there Thursday, got in about 1 o'clock uh, Friday morning, got up and started working and worked all day Friday. And then we got in the car and came back uh, early yesterday and got in about 5 yesterday afternoon. So if you see toothpicks under her eyes, you'll know why. But as we were coming through Nashville, we see a sign and it reminded us of our very first trip as a married couple from Baton Rouge, where we lived at the time, to visit my parents in Goodlettsville on the north side of Nashville. It was the first time either of us, just the two of us, had ever been on a long trip, and we got in our car and we drove, because about six months after we got married, my parents moved to Nashville. So we had to say goodbye to them as a married couple and kind of grow up and do some things without one set of parents there. And so this was our first big trip, and I'm telling you, it took forever for us to get from Baton Rouge to Nashville all those many years ago. And it was just the two of us. We didn't have kids. 
but it just took forever. And right before we got to their exit, we see a sign, and it said, Louisville, 157 miles. And that first trip, all those years ago, when we saw that sign, and as tired as we were back then, we looked at each other and we both laughed and said, boy, it's a good thing we don't have to go all the way to Louisville. Little did we know that a year and a half later, God's sense of humor and coming full circle, we had everything we owned in a moving van, and we were moving from Baton Rouge, Louisiana to Louisville, Kentucky, to move into an apartment that neither of us had seen, to start a job that Lee had gotten hired over the phone, to have as a first grade teacher, that never fly today, getting hired over the phone, but she got hired over the phone to be a first grade teacher, and we had everything we owned, and we, we moved to Louisville, Kentucky. And the school that hired her was in a church called Highview Baptist Church. And so our first weekend in town, knowing that she would be teaching there, we decided to go to Highview Baptist Church and just kind of jump in until God blessed me with some ministry opportunity. We just thought we'd get to know the people, and we walked into a Sunday school class. And you know who taught that Sunday school class? Mark and Stacy Wilson. Any of y'all know who that is? <laughs> Stacy, the daughter of Hunter and Joyce Durham, who were two pillars of our church here for a long, long time. And had we not said yes to God to move to Louisville and had Lee not got hired at that job and had we not gone to that church and had we not walked into that Sunday school class, I wouldn't have met Mark and Stacy Wilson, wouldn't have had a connection to Joyce Durham, and I most likely wouldn't have become the pastor of Columbia Baptist Church in 2002 the first time. But when you say yes to God and do those hard things that God lays before you, God has blessings that you'd never imagine. God has relationships in store. God has blessings laid out in front of you. God has a plan for your life that you've not even seen come full circle yet and may not ever see. But in order to have God's perspective and in order to have God's blessings, you need to learn one simple word. Yes. And just tell God yes. Because anytime you say yes to God, whether it's something hard, whether it's something easy, whether it's something emotional, whether it's something relational, whether it's something to do with your sin, or whether it's something to do with your sanctification, whenever you say yes to God, friend, you are always headed in the right direction. And some of you need to say yes to God to accept His gift of salvation. You cannot have eternal life in heaven by saying no to God and to what Jesus did for you on the cross. You have to say yes. And once you do, your life will be blessed in immeasurable ways. Some of you are holding bitterness and unforgiveness and you're carrying that grudge with whomever and with whatever it looks like and you've got to say yes to God by giving all that emotion and all that perspective to Him and take what He has to give you. And some of you are just flat out missing blessings that God wants to give you because you're telling Him no about something rather than saying yes to God. And I don't know what it is you're struggling with. And I don't know what it is that you're telling no to God about. I don't know where that yes 
needs to fit. But I can tell you today that if you'll start by saying yes to God today, and whatever it is, God will not only unleash His perspective, but God will also unleash His provisions and walk with you along the way and show you what His plan is. If you'll say yes. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful for the great gift of salvation that you have made available to us through Jesus Christ, your Son. And Father, by saying yes to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, the gift of salvation that you've made available, Father, we receive the greatest blessing that has ever been given that is a personal relationship with you through Jesus Christ. We have our sins forgiven. We have a home in heaven when this life is over. We have peace that passes all understanding. And God, we have every gift that you have available to give. All through saying yes to Jesus. Father, if there's one person in the sound of my voice that needs to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life and salvation today, God, would you call them to turn from their sin and trust in Jesus today? Father, if there are those that are holding on to all sorts of pain and problems and confusion and difficulty, Lord, even if they will never see how all of it will come full circle, I pray, God, that every step of the way they'll say yes to you, trust you with everything they are, and allow you to bless them in ways that they can never comprehend father whatever decisions need to be made today and whatever yes needs to be said today i pray that all of us would be willing to say yes to jesus we pray all these things in jesus name amen